Patrick Henningsen, host of the Sunday Wire, and you are listening to the Alternate Current Radio Network. You understand, Captain, that this mission does not exist, nor will it ever exist. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is the Sunday Wire. We're streaming out live on the alternate current radio network and also at 21stCenturyWire.com. And also after the show, later after the show, will be up on iTunes uh, for a download on our podcast. And thank you so much uh, to all our iTunes subscribers for making this uh, the one of the fastest trending news and politics uh, talk shows on iTunes. A great honor. And uh, so we have thousands of new subscribers uh, on iTunes, and uh, we're really happy about that. So thank you, everybody uh, who's downloading this uh, on the podcast format. It's been fantastic uh, to see the growth uh, over the last year uh, in that area. But uh, also thank you to our members. Uh, we've had a new, uh, couple of subscribers over the last week. Uh, thank you very much. You know who you are. Uh, we really appreciate your support and for helping uh, to back uh, this independent platform. Uh, and we, uh, we've had tre- tremendous success over the last uh, couple of months, uh, especially with our reporting, uh, working with Vanessa Bealey, of course, uh, on the ground uh, in Syria. And we've had a number of other good uh, guests on the show uh, from Syria. And this week uh, we have another one uh, we're going to introduce to you. Um, his name is uh, Stephen Sahuni. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, but Stephen was born in uh, California. But his parents moved uh, to Latakia, Syria, uh, when he was a very uh, small child. And that is the birthplace of uh, his father. And uh, so he attended school there in, uh, in Latakia. Uh, and then also, uh, I believe, attended uh, the university uh, in Beirut, uh, the Lebanese um, university in Beirut. And uh, Stephen also is basically now a political analyst and uh, doing commentary and throughout the Syrian war. Uh, which began in March 2011, and he's uh, published several articles. You see his work up on globalresearch.ca, uh, great website. We've had Michelle Chofidovsky on the show uh, before, a uh, great analyst and publisher there. Stephen's writing up there, too. And we've uh, republished one of his recent articles here at 21st Century Wire, and you hopefully will see more of his work uh, in the near future. Tremendous work. And... Uh, He's also, yeah, he's been on U.S., uh, Canadian, and German media. Stephen Sahuni, uh, live, I believe, from Latakia. Stephen, are you there? Yes, I am. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for joining us, Stephen. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and uh, you're, you're in Latakia now or Damascus? No, actually, I'm not in Latakia or Damascus. Actually, I came here for, uh, to Beirut for a few days because I have some okay. exams. Then I'm going to go in back to Latakia. Okay, Beirut, yes, one of my favorite cities uh, of all time. <laughs> Always interesting in Beirut. Um, so, yeah. Stephen, uh, there's a lot of stories that I want to cover. I mean, the, the what you've been writing about um, th- with regard to the Death Squad story, that's really big. But before that, um, just give us a little bit of a background, um, you know, of what your experience has been like um, in the country during since the the conflict started. I'm not going to fully call it a civil war because it's not very civil right now. Uh, but uh, the, the the war in 
2011. What's the experience been like, firstly? And then uh, secondly, let's talk about what, what's going on, uh, especially with the water uh, poisoning in uh, Damasc- Damascus, which is a, a big story I'd like to start with. But just uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us your story and what your experience has been like the uh, last couple of years so far. Okay. Uh, just uh, I'm Stephen Sahuni, as you said. I was born in Fresno, California. My mom's pure American. My dad's Syrian. Uh, I lived through the whole crisis in Syria. Whoever who hasn't been ever to Syria and never were saw Syria before the war, he doesn't know what I'm going to talk about. Syria before the war had, first of all, had 24-hour electricity, 24-hour water, free education. Uh, if you're sick and you need the uh, you need an operation, you just go into the hospital, do, do your operation for free. Uh, you Anytime you want to go through anywhere in the country at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., it was safe. We used to, uh, in Syria, make everything we wear, everything we use. We had factories, and Aleppo was the capital, economical capital for Syria, and it has factories, and it was producing everything that Syria needed. So, after the war started, that all changed when the so-called moderate troubles and the free uh, Huant revolution, uh, they came... Uh, destroyed the factories, stole all the factories and took them to Turkey, uh, destroyed schools, destroyed hospitals, uh, attacked the Syrian army, which I'm talking about, in the first week, uh, came out in their protest and started saying sectarian uh, stuff like uh, Christians to Beirut and Alawites to the grave. I've heard that in my own eyes, uh, in my own ears. So, and also they... Uh, in the first week, they chopped up and killed a doctor in the city of Idlib, and he was, his name is Dr. Samir Qanatri, and he was the head of the Syrian um, uh, organization for uh, pharmacists in Syria. He was killed and chopped up in his own pharmacy. So from the beginning of the crisis and the beginning of the war, uh, it was sectarian from their side. From the beginning, they started uh, by killing, murder, and destroying uh, Syria. And uh, all of that you will see from the beginning, it wasn't, first of all, it was not secular. And everyone who knows Syria, Syria before 2011, it was, uh, it was secular. And until now, the, the majority of the Syrian people are uh, secular. They have no problem with each other. They have, and a big uh, proof on that is that uh, the people from Aleppo, when they wanted to... Uh, get out of their houses because of the murders uh, the, the murders uh, of the terrorist groups, where did they go? They came to Latakia. The city of Latakia is who, before the crisis used to be one million people. Today it's three million and a half. Wow. And wow. the coast is, and the, uh, the coast the Syrian coast is from one sect and Aleppo is a different sect. So if if those people, they were afraid and, and there was, it was a civil war as the Western media try, uh, from the beginning, from the first day, was showing it. Those people of Aleppo, those two million and a half from Aleppo and the other cities, they would not come to Latakia to a different sect. Yeah. So today, yeah, today in Latakia, it's three million and a half. Uh, they're uh, they're working. They're 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 normal citizens. They're in their own home. They're in their own country. They did not go to another country. They did not get humiliated. 
The government did their best, gave them, put them in school, put their children in schools, gave them health care, gave them everything that the government can do while the Western sanctions on Syria, what is killing the Syrian people, really, if you want the truth, is the sanctions on, uh, on Syria. That's what's really hurting Syria. Because now Syria cannot import anything. The, uh, the, uh, the Syrian currency got weaker because of the sanctions on Syria. Uh, no one is being damaged and no one is being hurt except the Syrian people. So if uh, really the Western world really want to help Syria, they will take off the, uh, the sanctions on Syria. Because they're the only ones who are being uh, hurted, no one else. And they're being damaged is the Syrian people. And uh, and and just just quickly, I mean that's that's uh, Latakia three th- three million, so it's almost the size of Beirut, basically. Uh, in ter- yeah, in ter- that's true. In ter- I mean, in terms of population, but so do you think? Uh, you know, looking at how this has unfolded, looking at uh, the factories that have been destroyed uh, in Aleppo and other parts of this uh, country, infrastructure has been targeted. I just saw uh, a U.S. jet just destroyed the last remaining power plant in Deir Ezzor. Uh, I think this was this past couple of days ago. Uh, is by the yeah. Omar oil field, biggest oil field in Deir Ezzor. And the uh, U.S. jet just took out a, uh, a power plant there, um, the Mayadeen power plant, I think. And yeah. so, so yeah. The, the infrastructure is being intentionally targeted terrorists are t- uh, destroying factories um power, taking over power plants taking over municipal water just basically this just this is very strategic isn't it uh and yeah. and, and with the sanctions it's a it it creates a, a pressure cooker and mm-hmm. you know with the economy is collapsing and th- this is also helping the recruitment of uh, extremist uh, uh jihad fighters as well isn't it Actually, look, let me tell you something. Uh, the Syrian economy is weaker. Yes, that's true. The, and the infrastructure has been really damaged around over, let's say, 70%. Uh, but uh, as, uh, as, as a second, as when the, let's say, the Western world and, let's say, the, the outside world want to sit on the table and find a solution and sit, the first day when Turkey shuts their border, Saudi Arabia and the Gulf stops sending us all the Chechnyans and Afghanis and uh, the Saudi terrorists. Uh, when they stop sending them to Syria, okay, in no time, first of all, the Syrian army and his allies on the ground will take, will take back all of the, uh, the areas and we can rebuild our country. We still have the money. We still have uh, the, uh, the intelligence. We still, we, uh, like we built it one time. It's not hard to build it again. But So we can rebuild our country and we rebuild our economy. And we still have the same businessmen who are known in the Middle East and especially the Aleppo businessmen who are known for one of the richest businessmen in the Middle East and there are till now. And they said, we will rebuild Aleppo but just finish Aleppo from the terrace. That was mm-hmm. their thing from the first day that uh, the terrorists attacked Aleppo. Finish Aleppo from terrorists and we will rebuild Aleppo. No one else, no companies, no factories, no, no one from the outside. Us, the Aleppo businessmen, we will rebuild Aleppo. So we ca- it's not hard for us to rebuild our country. It's not hard for us to rebuild uh, uh, our economy, our factories, our hospitals, all of that. That's easy. But what we need now is for the United States government, the Western government, the Turkish, 
and the Saudis to stop funding terrorism, stop sending them uh, weapons, stop uh, sending murders, and and just put the hands together everyone in the world, the Russians, the, uh, the Americans, the, uh, the Canadians, everyone in the world, and find a solution. Stop funding terrorism in Syria, because when when you're if the, if Syria has terrorism, the next day the, it's going to be in Europe, and we saw that from the beginning of the crisis, uh, the Syrians said, "Do not fund terrorism because if the terrorism is going to come into uh, Syria, it will going to go to your, it's going to go to your countries." And actually, uh, unfortunately, we saw that. We saw the really sad, mean uh, terrorist attacks in Paris. And in Turkey, and in uh, and Brussels, and all over yeah, Europe, and that's very sadly. But the world has to wake up that funding terrorism and funding these radical Islamic terrorism who are brought from all over the world to Syria. That those they will they will they will finish from Syria and they will go to another country. They're not going to stop. Didn't we? Didn't we learn from our mistakes? From the from the mid uh, mid 20th century, when the, the, the terrorist radical Islamic uh, was funded in Afghanistan, then they, what did they do? They just st- uh, stabbed the United States in the in the back. Yeah, and they went, and they went to Kosovo, and they went to Kosovo, and the same thing happened there. The same. Yeah, same. So, ter- terrorism knows no religion. Terrorism knows no country. Terrorism knows uh, no red line. But we have to stop funding terrorism. The United States government has stopped funding using using these radical Islamic people. We saw yesterday, or the day before yesterday, uh, Erdogan, president of Turkey, said that the guy who did the Istanbul attacks is a Chinese Uyghur. And I, as I told you, I wrote an article about that, that him himself got these terrorists from China, those Islamic terrorists from China, and uh, sent them to uh, to Syria. So now the, uh, he has them all over, and now they're doing problems for him. Yeah. So the Chinese up uh, um, Uyghur uh, mercenaries from yeah. Western China, Western Far West Province uh, of China, and so these are some of the uh, more vicious um, uh, terrorist mercenaries uh, that you might find uh, in, in Syria. And so, just explain this a little bit about this uh, death squad concept because this is something that we've seen in other places like Iraq as well um, and also in well in Central America I talked about that early in the show but just explain to us a little bit more about this uh, these kind of I would call them NATO technically NATO backed death squads really um, yes. Yes, what's your to just explain a bit more about them uh, the, uh, as you said these are from uh, China and uh, they are very radical. Uh, they are funded by the also uh, as we all know that uh, uh, the, all the terrorist groups and the radical Islamic terrorist groups are all funded by the Gulf countries. So if you want to kill uh, terrorism in the world, you have to take out the Gulf uh, countries because they are the number one funders of uh, terrorism in the world. So uh, they are funded by uh, the Gulf and Turkey. And they were, uh, and uh, what did they do? They, it's not about the fight. Uh-uh. They're the those. They're the they're the groups that who do the suicide bombs. And they are the wor- They are the hard. And they are the worst 
of all all the types of even worse than the Chechens and all of uh, and all the other uh, groups because they're they're just only for the uh, uh, for suicide bombs and their he- main headquarters is in the city of Idlib, who is controlled by the terrorist groups who are funded by Turkey and uh, north uh, northeast uh, northeast Latakia. Uh, Kabbani, the village of Kabbani, who is on the border of Idlib. So that's their headquarters of the, uh, of those groups in Syria, and uh, yeah, yeah, and they they have yeah. a they have a kind of a line supply line with Turkey, uh, what yeah. we call in the war a rat line. Yeah. Uh, and I even heard stories of uh, the Turkish government wanting to basically uh, lay power cables uh, to provide power. Uh, to Idlib from Turkey. Imagine, imagine that. Yeah. So. You, yeah, yeah. From the. Yeah. Go ahead. From the number, from the, yeah, from day one, Turkey had their uh, uh, their uh, their hand in the war on Syria. They're the one who stole the uh, the factories, as I told you, on the present Erdogan specifically, uh, and him and his family stole the factories of Syria, and especially from Aleppo. Uh, we all saw uh, when the Russian. Air Force started uh, bombarding uh, ISIS. We all saw the uh, the, uh, the oil going from ISIS in east uh, north uh, Syria going into Turkey under the eyes of the Turkish uh, government, uh, and that was destroyed completely. And uh, I think um, the media, uh, the Russian media, discovered that uh, his son or the grandson had a hand in. Uh, in this, uh, in this, uh, in the oil deals between ISIS and Turkey. Yeah, his son Bilal. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think it's Bilal. Bilal, one of his sons. I think he's got uh, a yeah, few sons. sons. But yeah, so you know, there was uh, the tankers going uh, over the uh, over the border back and forth every day. Uh, you yeah, know, no one saw them. What a coincidence. No one saw them except the Russians. I don't know why the Western uh, uh, groups uh, did not see them, uh, but uh, the Russians saw them. Yeah, yeah. And that's when when that information came out, I think... uh the, the story shifted uh, in Syria quite quite drastically at that point. That was a really key point yeah. um, when when that came mm-hmm. out because that showed that with all the satellite technology, with all the uh, uh, drones and all the U.S. aircraft uh, in coalition, quote, coalition aircraft, that yeah. uh, they couldn't track 500 tankers a day going back and forth yeah. every single day that was providing the financial lifeline uh, to ISIS and uh, other extremists. Yeah. And and people getting rich off it as well. Even British oil companies, Janelle Energy, yeah. and some of these other uh, yeah. well-known oil energy companies involved in this trade, um, indirectly or directly, uh, and with some very big, important people uh, sitting on their board of directors as well. Yep. I think so Nafis, Nafis Ahmed, um, I think, did a, a really good piece on that as well. He used to write for The uh-huh. Guardian. But, um, yeah, so go ahead. He- yeah, so you do the math. All of the uh, over 500 tankers were of oil going from Syria uh, by ISIS to, into Turkey uh, was all of the drones and all of the satellites and all of that were not, uh, and the Americans and the NATO did not see them. So who's funding and who's behind uh, ISIS? You do the math. Well, I think we know the answer to that. I think, <laughs> okay. I think, I think we know the answer to that. But, you know, this, this 
this idea of uh, of death squads. Um, this is not something new. We've seen this in other places before, and uh, we also have covered on this show uh, the 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 use of captagon. It's an amph- a very powerful amphetamine. Uh, and, yes. and also the black market trafficking of this drug between the Gulf countries uh, and through Turkey and Syria, and some of this is being profits being used to fund uh, the, uh, the the terrorist militant groups as well. Uh, and so um, it's a very dangerous combination of things that you're looking at here because this isn't just your average uh, fighting you know extremist militias. Some yeah. of these people they're they're high on very powerful drugs in some cases yes uh, we've seen reports of this yeah go ahead yeah that's yeah because that's uh, actually from the day from the day one this conflict started and the war on syria started the syrian army and syrian government uh, arrested many of these uh, terrorist groups and these uh, uh, who are on high on drugs high on drugs fully high on drugs and and they're uh, they've been taking captagon and, and other kind of drugs and in their uh, storages they uh, they found uh, they found these uh, they found captagons and they found the uh, their drugs and uh, and many and also i would like to say that not only isis and the turkish government uh, not only they worked in the oil business uh, also they worked in the body parts they're kidnapping people from Syria and taking their body parts and selling them. So and also organs. that's a big business. Oh. Yeah. yeah or, like like kidneys so and things. Business. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, so it's a lawless environment. Uh, a lot of black market uh, trade, a lot of trafficking of, of various things that would normally be illegal. Uh, a lot of smuggling. Uh, a lot yes. of basically organized crime. Um, and you know, we t- all remember... And we all remember uh, when, uh, I think in 2012 or 2013, when uh, uh, the uh, terrorist groups uh, shot down a Syrian helicopter in the suburbs of Latakia, and they ate the flesh, the liver of the Syrian soldier. And there's videos all over. We also we all seen that on videos. We also seen how the these groups are funded by by Turkey. Uh, and Saudi Arabia, how they killed the Russian uh, pilot. Yeah, I saw some reports of that. It was it was very uh, yeah, wasn't nice. Yeah. And in 2013, in 2013, that these terrorist groups, uh, when uh, Turkey opened the border for them, uh, they went into the villages, uh, the north of Latakia, the suburbs of north of Latakia, into the Armenian city Kesab and uh, Baluta, uh, who's uh, not. Uh, Armenian Alawites and other and other uh, villages and killed over 450 civilians who are just villagers, women, children, men, old people, everyone. Some of them, their heads were chopped off completely. Some, uh, there's still now over 150 women and children kidnapped. No one knows anyone about them, nothing about them. So... Also, at uh, on May the 3rd, 2016, the... Tears groups in Aleppo uh, at 12:40 p.m. The uh, the tears group uh, division 16, they're called, who are funded by the United States government and so-called Mother Troubles, uh, launched uh, missiles on the Al Dubait Hospital for children and destroyed it and killed many children and women inside of the hospital who are just getting their 
getting checked up and they're in the hospital so and i have pictures of that as you want also after the syrian army went into the eastern aleppo uh, they saw a uh, big number of uh, massive graves of civilians, women, children, and men, and even uh, prisoners uh, who are killed in cold blood by the terrorist groups in eastern Aleppo. They also found in Al-Hakma school in eastern Aleppo uh, weapon storages as uh, military uh, military uh, analyzers said that uh, the weapon uh, weapons that fa- were founded in that metal store in storage it is the biggest weapon storage uh, storage in the uh, during the scene crisis and it's enough to fund two armies wow and i have also videos i also have videos all kind of missiles all kind of weapons all kind of everything what you want or on your mind they have it yeah. so as as we're seeing in the last six years, all of these murders happening, all of these uh, these are war crimes. How can this be so-called? How can it be a revolution? When you want to talk about a revolution, you tell me Mahatma Gandhi. Okay, that's a revolution when it's peaceful, when there's no uh, when there's no uh, violence in it. But from the first day, killing and chopping and calling sectarian name, no, that's not a revolution. That is a plot. Uh, well planned uh, a plot was uh, just to destroy Syria and to destroy the inst- inst- uh, sorry uh, to destroy Syria and destroy the Syrian uh, go- uh, not the government let's say Syrian country because Syria before 2010 I told you it had one of the had one of the strongest armies in the Middle East it's uh, one of the strongest uh, economies in the Middle East and it was uh, the safest uh, country in one of the safest countries in the world. Uh, so all of that, uh, did not, the American, the Western, they did not like that. Also, they had no debts to the World Bank and to the Western world. They no debts to anyone in the world. So all of that and all of the oil and gas that was founded in the sea. So that didn't like the Western, uh, the Western world. How can all of that power be in one, uh, in one country and that country is not uh, with us? So we have to destroy it. Yeah, you do. Do you think? Do, yeah, you think it's because uh, Syria is maybe more self-sufficient in terms of you know not taking on uh, big loans from the IMF or the World yeah, Bank. We never took any loans actually since from the year two thousand, from the year two thousand until now. Uh, until until now, actually, we did not take any loans from anyone. Hmm. Syria did not take any loans from anyone until now. As uh, as reports coming out, till now we took no loans from anyone. Yes, there were helps, but we, uh, Syria did not ask for any loans from any country, not even Iran and not even from Russia. So till now, after six years of war, this uh, this country is self uh, funding itself uh, with the help and support of the uh, of their friends, Iran, Russia, China, and others. But we did not ask for any loans like till now after six years of war the syrian government is still giving the payrolls of all of their employees mm-hmm. you still have uh, you still have uh, laws you still have people are if you walk in the streets of damascus or latakia or tartus or suede or any city of uh, latakia you're seeing it people are going coming to going to their work going to universities going to schools uh, Life is going through, but there is some uh, areas where the terrorists are are causing problems, uh, killing and murdering, and uh, the Syrian army and the Syrian people and their uh, and the allies on the ground are 
are doing their best to take out this terrorism. Uh, but now uh, the, the number one, uh, as I told you, the number one goal for if, for everyone in Syria is to rebuild Aleppo. Rebuild Aleppo, that's mean to rebuild uh, the Syrian economy. Mm-hmm. Also, the number two goal is to uh, to take out this uh, terrorism and get all of the refugees from outside of uh, Syria back to their uh, back to their homes. And uh, I think now we should talk about the war, uh, the water problem, and the water crisis. Yes, tell us about this. Tell us first for those people who are listening; they don't know this story. Um, just tell us what happened, uh, when it happened, and and how it happened. Uh, and okay. also, also t- tell us how the uh, t- terrorist groups have, for a very long time, taken control of of water and power, and are basically um, holding the population hostage in some places uh, in Syria by blackmailing the government, basically uh, for basic okay. basic utilities. But go ahead. Okay, as uh, this started, uh, this area uh, that's called. Uh, Wadi Barada, where the oil wells, not, I mean the war wells, uh, the biggest war wells of Damascus and suburb of Damascus, they're in that, uh, in that area, Wadi Barada. Uh, that has been in the hands of the terrorists, not, for, not newly. It's been for, for quite a time. But uh, they did not cut off the water. Sometimes they cut it off, then they'll find the negotiation, they'll turn it back on, all, uh, and that's how it used to happen. But when the Syrian army took back Aleppo and announced Aleppo free from all ter- kind of terrorism, what a coincidence, two things happened at the same time. First of all, ISIS attacked Hamas, that's in the middle of Syria, and where all of the oils uh, the Syrian oil and gases, and at the same time, these terrorist groups have uh, have cut off the water on six million people. The Syrian capital, six million people, till now have no water. Wow! It's from the day Aleppo is freed until now. So, and these uh, and this area is uh, is uh, under the control of Jabhat al-Nusra and uh, under other uh, uh, groups who are funded by Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Qatar, uh, and, the United, uh, and the Western world, actually, uh, because they call them moderate rebels. I don't know what kind of uh, rebels uh, cut off the water of six million people. Yeah. Six million people. You have hospitals, you have colleges, you have schools, you have houses, you have family, you have people who are sick. So, all, all of that. So, yesterday... In the last few days, the Russians and the Syrian government are trying to negotiating with the terrorists to, or to send, because the, the terrorists, they destroyed parts of the well. So they, they wanted to send inside uh, repairmen to fix the, the damage. And the negotiation was happening. Uh, so what, uh, the terrorists shot at the repairmen and did not let them uh, come in. So the Syrian army had to use uh, Plan B and try to take this uh, area by power. So uh, they can, uh, so they can get the water back and pump in to six million people, because we're not talking about uh, five or ten people. Even if it's five or ten people, it's uh, sa- uh, it's saddening and it's, it shouldn't happen. But we're talking about six million people. Like you're talking about two times bigger than Lebanon. Yep, yep, yeah. You talk about and the size. Like the first- yeah, it's the yeah. size of London, almost the size of London, uh, in terms of uh, the amount of people without water. And I. 
and the same uh, these same groups are funded by the same uh, the same uh, uh, countries uh, when they when they were in eastern Aleppo the the water wells the water wells Sleiman Halabi was in their hands and also they used to cut off water and electricity from on the Aleppo people who are also five to six million people because the two biggest cities in Syria is Aleppo and uh, Damascus both have five to six million people so you're ha- you're talking about twelve million people who are over. Uh, 50% of the Syrian population uh, without war just because of those uh, these groups but now after the Syrian uh, army took back and their allies on the ground took back uh, Aleppo so the water uh, situation is getting better in Aleppo but now the Syrian army is advancing and took all of the hills and mountains around the area called Wadi Barada, in where the war wells are. And we might see in the next few hours, maybe next uh, 72 hours, let's say, the Syrian army will have con- fully control of the, uh, of the war wells and, uh, and, the war, and the war situation in Damascus will be solved. And hopefully that will happen, but I don't think uh, that will be hard. Uh, impossible, I mean. It's hard, but it won't be impossible because, uh, as, as everyone knows, the Syrian army uh, kicked out the terrorists out of Aleppo, and that is one of the hardest places on earth with terrorism. So they defeated them in Aleppo, so it's not going to be hard for them to defeat them in suburbs of Damascus. And, and they also poured, the terrorists poured diesel into the water supply, didn't they? Um, yes. To, to poison yeah, it. Yeah, they tried to poison Poison and uh, they, uh, to put the blame on the on the Syrian government. So, if anyone who is a logical mind will think about it, why will the Syrian government try to poison six million people who are with them in Damascus? Yeah, I know they won't do that. No, they wouldn't. But 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 that wouldn't stop uh, John McCain from uh, trying to convince uh, uh, the American people that uh, the Syrian government would have done that. Uh, but um, <laughs> it's incredible. How, how will they do it? How how will the Syrian government do it? The, the wells are not even in their hands. It's in yeah. his people, in his, as as I like to call them, in his babies' hands. They're they're John McCain's babies. So 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 how do you how would you explain I mean this must be really difficult for you to uh to to accept sometimes because it is it, the narrative is so ridiculous um that when Americans and I spoke to somebody in government recently and she said well you know why is a why is Assad killing his own people you know this is the main idea that they have planted in their head and why are they destroying all the buildings you know and why why are people killing their own people and it's they really can't in the West can't understand the concept that there's a war going on and that when there's a war going on and you have uh, thousands of terrorist fighters occupying uh, a city or parts of a city that there is going to be no easy way to to solve this problem and that buildings will be destroyed. And, and unfortunately, some innocent people might die in the process. And the alternative is much worse. Uh, these are people who want to have a violent religious state. They want to have a Wahhabi uh, Syria. Is that not correct? Yes. Yeah, that's true. I just would like to give a point. Uh, look, I am an American Syrian, and I'm proud to be American, and I'm proud to be Syrian. Okay? But uh, what's happening in Syria, just let, let me give you an example. God forbid if a terrorist groups came in to any American state, God forbid, and I hope that will never happen. Okay? 
and I wish to God to protect the United States completely. But if if terrorist groups come into one of the states of the United States and come in, wouldn't the American army, isn't that their duty and the American government in D.C., isn't that their duty to clean that state out of the terrorist groups? Because yes. they are the government. They are the army. They are, they are, that's their job to protect the United States. Also, in, in Damascus, the Syrian, uh, the Syrian army, that's their job. We saw terrorism. Uh, we saw chopping up. We saw killing. We saw, uh, we saw murders. We, we saw, uh, for God's sake, eating their flesh, as I told you. So that is their job, to, to fight these terrorists and to kick him out so we can rebuild our country. We had no problem before, uh, before 2011. Uh, as I told you, we were uh, one of the safest countries in the world. And anyone who went, came into Damascus and Aleppo and Latakia before the crisis, he will know what I mean. Why will we, uh, we want to destroy that? Okay, there was, there was some mistakes, but uh, that's not a way to fix mistakes by destroying uh, a country who, that me... My generation, my father's generation, or my grandfather's generation, who's been uh, working hard to, re- to building this, this country. And, to, and we saw it at a point at 2010 that we were so proud. Three generations were working to make this country, and we were proud. Now we have to rebuild Syria again. Why will we want to do that? Why will any country or any government in the world will want to destroy it? It's saddening when... We, when uh, when we see a hospital or when we see a neighborhood or when we see a building being destroyed. But at the same time, this neighborhood has terrorism. Just like uh, if a person has cancer in one part of his body, uh, we, you, take off that, you take off that part of the body. If he has it in his hand or his leg, you just chop it off. And that's what we, uh, and that's what we have to do. Yeah, yeah, and there's still, there's still, there are some people who are still deluded here that think that, oh, well, these are the, uh, this is the political uh, uh, opposition, and they want freedom, and they believe these uh, videos they see on Al Jazeera of people saying, oh, we just wanted freedom, and uh, all this other business. Yeah. Uh, we, we, you know, meanwhile, Al Nusra is marching through the streets with the black flag, you know. Um, it's just, it's kind of a ridiculous. Um, President, President, President Trump. President Trump said something while he, uh, in campaign. He said, "We took out, the United States took out Gaddafi and uh, Saddam Hussein in Iraq. What did that bring to the Middle East? Chaos." Yeah, yeah, and more chaos. Said, which, and that yeah. is, yeah, more chaos, even worse chaos because Syria is is uh, is sensitive. It's a sensitive situation. It's not like yeah, you cannot compare Syria to Iraq or Syria to any other country. Syria has its own. Uh, because if Syria lets up, then you have Lebanon will let up, then you'll have Jordan will let up, then you'll have the whole Middle East and uh, will let up. And that's what the Syrian government tried to explain to the world in the beginning of the crisis. Do not fund terrorism because if Syria, if the terrorism comes into Syria and eats Syria apart, that will, uh, that, that will cause an earthquake that will destroy the whole Middle East and will, Europe will get a part of the damage. But they did not get it, and they kept uh, funding the terrorism. They kept funding and sending terrorist groups. And now we're seeing terrorism in Germany and uh, in Paris and all over Europe. But if, if the Western countries did not fund the terrorism from the beginning of the crisis in Syria and did not uh, fund this radical Islamic terrorism, we, we didn't have all of these terrorist attacks in uh, Germany or in uh, Paris or any other European country.
and as I told you, any any civilians who is killed by uh, by uh, terrorism, that is an act of terrorism, and he is a martyr. He is, and uh, we are sorry. The same people are not uh, bloodthirsty. No, we are. Uh, Syria has been uh, mentioned in the Bible many times. Syria is the uh, uh, people of peace. We uh, we do not hate anyone. We wish peace for uh, everyone, but at the same time, we want everyone just to, the same people want to the world to keep them, just stay away from Syria and find something else to work on, because now the same people want to concentrate and rebuild in their country, trying to repair what this war destroyed, and it's uh, not hard, it's going to take many decades to to rebuild to rebuild Syria, not, I'm not talking about the uh, uh, buildings and I'm not talking about the factories and all of that. I'm talking about the human beings. Rebuilding the mind, and the ideology and the way of thinking. You have generations, children who are built, uh, who were raised up uh, on this war. And it's all this war on media. is all killing and blood and all of that will cause mental, uh, mental problems for children. Yes, absolutely. So... Yeah, so that's even a, a more dangerous problem that we're facing, even if the war finishes today. is these children who are in the last six years, who are, grew up in the war, uh, only grew up on war and killing and blood and uh, sectarian talk from the Western media and the Arab uh, Gulf media. So we have a pro- that we have a huge problem, and uh, we have to, everyone, in Syria and everyone uh, who, who really cares and loves Syria, he ha- we have to find a solution for those children because in any war in the world, of course, let me tell you something, in any war in the world, mistakes happen. In any war in the world, from all sides, mistakes happen. But always who pays the price is the children. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Yeah, you're, that's a very good point. I know it's a simple point, but it's very important. Mistakes happen um, on all sides, and uh, you can't have a perfect record uh, when, yeah, when there's no one's warfare. Perfect. No one's God. No yeah. one's God. No one's perfect. Everyone has. Everyone can make a mistake. The United States, the United States as a country, made a mistake by going into Iraq and killing over one million Iraqis. That is that that is a black mark in the history of the United States by coming into a country, sovereign country, and killing uh, and killing over over one million. Syria. Let me tell you about something about Syria. Syria before the crisis accepted refugees from the Lebanon war in 2006, uh, accepted uh, refugees from Palestine, accepted refugees from Iraq, accepted refugees from all over the world. Any country around Syria who knew, who who had a problem and they had refugees, Syria will accept them. Until now, we have. Uh, we still have uh, refugees from Iraq. We still have refugees in, uh, from uh, Palestine, and the Palestinians have more, even more rights than the Syrian people in Damascus, uh, in Syria. So that was Syria before the crisis. Why will anyone in the world, if we have that stability and that strong economy and all of that, why will why will anyone in the world want to destroy it? Except if he was an enemy of this country, and in, uh, and the people who are destroyed it and funded uh, this. Uh, funded this uh, war on Syria and this terrorism and radical and these weapons and uh, these killer machines and murders, there are the enemies of Syria. Yes, and, al- and also um, uh, just to, uh, explain as well um, the role that um, there, there is our, 
a lot of people don't understand this. There's already tension uh, along the borders, especially the Golan Heights area with Israel and also, you know, the occupation of South Lebanon for so many years. And we'll go back to the Lebanese war as well, that uh, a lot of people in the West aren't giving enough credit to the situation that there is already a tremendous amount of tension um, between Israel uh, and its neighbors, and you can't take that out of the equation when you're looking at the big picture. Uh, and so, what role is that? What role is that playing right now? Uh, with, they, they have, they have a big role in the war. They have a big role in the war on Syria. They have a huge role to because Syria is their number one threat. The Syrian army and the Syrian government was the number one enemy to them. Okay, but uh, the Syrian government, as I told you, the Syrian government and the Syrian people hate no one. But when a person wants to come and take uh, strip uh, Palestine and uh, Jolan Heights from Syria and um, uh, Shiba Farms from Lebanon, when any country in the world has an occupation, of course, we're going to have a, a resistance group fighting them back. So if... So, as I told you, the Syrian army was as one of the strongest armies in the Middle East before the crisis. Okay. And uh, that, was an, uh, that was a threat to, uh, to so-called so -called the state of Israel. So, uh, as, as I told you, so they, they had a big role and they were a partner in uh, the war on Syria. Yeah, I believe we so. Have, we, we have occupied land, that Syrian land 100%, the Jolan Heights, is occupied Israel and the Syrian government on many occasions, uh, and uh, even in the Security Council and the United Nations, say that is the Syrian land. So, uh, and, and it's our rights, and the Syrian has right to have that land back. Yeah, they'll be building settlements uh, on there uh, as we speak, I'm sure. Uh, because I've, I saw the U.N. peacekeepers that had been there, uh, that mission had been established in the mid-1970s, and uh, they were driven out um, with, with by al-Nusra Front, but with air cover from, uh, from the IDF. That's my understanding of it. Yeah. Um, and they, held, they had hostages, um, and they paid a ransom, and it was paid by bank transfer. Uh, yeah. For, for the re yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and what a coincidence, every time the, the, the groups, Al-Nusra groups and the other terrorist groups in the south of Syria or any part of Syria, if, every time they get there, uh, as, they, uh, as they say, they, get, uh, they, they start losing and they're getting in a weak point, the Israeli jets come in and start shooting Syria. Yeah, yeah, and they just like say... giving them back. Yeah, and they make an excuse that they're, they're targeting Hezbollah, you know. Um, yeah, so what... No, that's, that, will, that will show you, and that's the big proof that they have a role on the war on Syria, and they are a part of the war on Syria. Yeah, yeah, that, and that, that, that's a part of this story that's uh, very much underreported. But um, in, in total, uh, I think since the, the war began in Syria, Israel has launched, uh, I believe, uh, 11 airstrikes uh, in Syria um, and uh, inside Syria and hitting targets and also have killed people as well. Yeah. Uh, within Syria, and that doesn't get any press coverage at all uh, in the in the West. Yeah, and also, and also we saw the terrorist groups in the South Syria. Every time they get the Syrian army starts an uh, operation in the South Syria, and they get and they have killed and injured people from the radical Islamic terrorist groups like Nusra and others. Uh, all, always we see them uh, in the Israeli hospitals. Yeah, that's also been reported. Uh, that was in the Israeli press. I think it was Haaretz, 
uh, in the Times of Israel. And we have photos of uh, Netanyahu uh, standing there with the Elmas refriders in the uh, hospital bed. Uh, so so that's, that, that is yeah. also another, that's proof, that's another proof that uh, this so-called state of the Israeli occupation, as we say it in Syria, as uh, the Israeli occupation and the United States and the Western uh, world and the mother of all terrorism, Saudi Arabia, the mother of all terrorism of Saudi Arabia, are funding and backing up these terrorist groups who are fighting the Syrian government. So who's the mistake? Who's who's making the problems? Who's making the war on Syria? Who's starting all this problem? Is these people and the, this? Uh, uh, it's these groups and their people. And um, and also, uh, so so right now. Um, you know, one of the accusations that you see a lot in the West and one of the reasons why they still have sanctions uh, on Syria is they're claiming they're claiming that uh, President Assad has killed half a million of his own people. OK, you've probably seen these figures. You've seen the numbers. Uh, and yeah. a lot of this is based on uh, uh, statistics provided by the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, which is actually based in the United Kingdom, uh, not in Syria. And uh, but you've seen those numbers, and the, the the truth of the matter is very difficult to to get numbers. But from from your understanding, just a basic estimates, what have you heard and seen in terms of total amount of uh, Syrian soldiers and police and security forces, uh, terrorists and civilians? Because there's a three different numbers, and I think it's really important to separate all these things. Uh, because in the yeah, West, of course, of in course. the West, they put everything in one figure. And then they use that to demonize the Syrian government, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, that's but, true. But go ahead. Look, let me tell you something. Uh, the uh, the numbers. Let's face it, numbers are not that important. But uh, let's look at the two sides. Okay, one side is, as I told you, these terrorist groups who are killing civilians, launching the gas cans, as we remember in Aleppo, uh, making missiles out of gas cans and launching them on. Uh, on the civilians of Aleppo, the massacres have been done by uh, by them in many areas in uh, in Syria, uh, in Aleppo, Damascus, uh, Homos, uh, uh, Latakia, and others. So they are not angels. Their people are not angels. They're called. Uh, you have one side is the Syrian government, legitimate government, and elected government. Okay. Uh, on the other side, you have terrorist groups, radical who wanna who have the black flags and they want mosques all over Syria. So it's it is the duty of the Syrian, as I told you, the Syrian government and any government in the world, if you have terrorism, to kill to, to kill these terrorists. As I told you, in war, mistakes happen. Numbers are not important. It's saddening if one civilian is dead, or ten is uh, or ten people are dead who are innocent. Numbers are not important. If it's 10, 11,000, 1,100 million, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. That's a soul, and it's saddening that they're, uh, they're dead. But who are doing in cold-blooded uh, massacres and murders are the uh, radical Islamic terrorist groups who are funded by uh, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Turkey, and backed up by the Western, uh, the Western world. That, uh, they, they are the problems. They're the one who started it. They're the one who started the sectarian talks. And they're the one who started the murders and chopping up and killing and destroying houses uh, from the beginning of the crisis. I lived through this war. 
no one sitting in London or no one sitting in uh, uh, sitting the, uh, in, on CNN or Al Jazeera is going to tell me what's happening in Syria. No, I lived through the war. And I'm living through the war, and I see, and I see, I'm seeing what's happening. I'm not making. I don't. I look. I don't take sides. I'm a, as I told you, I'm a Syrian American, okay. And uh, what I see, what I saw, I say something I did not saw. I did not see. I don't. I don't say. It. I'll tell you. I don't know about it. But I saw from the first days, from the first few days, uh, the the destruction of. Uh, uh, private and government properties from the first day when it's still so-called innocent and so-called uh, peaceful revolution. We saw weapons, we saw killing, we saw from the first few days. So you have the other side who is a Syrian government. Uh, as I told you, it's their duty to kill the to kill the uh, these terrorists and it, to bring peace uh, to the uh, to the country. But the numbers numbers not important because it's sad name. If one civilian and one child or one woman or one old person or one man died, or if it's a hundred, it's sadly and it's wrong. And no one, no one in Syria wanted. We're not happy. Our, our, our generation, uh, you can say our future is destroyed. Because now we're going to spend our future on rebuilding our country. Mm-hmm. No one yeah. wanted this. No, one, no side wanted this. Okay, if, uh, let's say, okay, let us be, uh, let's, uh, let us be uh, realistic. If this was a secular, 100%, and uh, the, the Saudis and the uh, Turkish and the Qataris did not have a uh, hand in all of this, and it's only 100% Syrian people, and asking for some reforms, okay, that, that's the right. And they, uh, they did get the reforms that they wanted. And a lot of reforms have been done. Now, uh, from one par- one political party, now we have 10 to 15 uh, political parties. Uh, uh, we uh, have many, many, many other... Uh, we had a presidential election where you had many candidates, and we saw the big, huge numbers in the uh, city of Beirut, Lebanon, who went to vote, to participate in this uh, election. So, reforms have been done. But this so-called revolution was not made... For uh, to for reforms, this so-called revolution or chaos, it was made to destroy and to destruct Syria and to do to bring down Syria to the ground. After it was one of the strongest and more stability uh, countries in the Middle East, that was the reason of this war on Syria. And 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 part of another part of the big. Um, thing that I think has fueled uh, the Western, uh, their own internal support in the United States and Britain uh, in Europe is the the images that they were getting on the news, uh, and we've we've discovered that the majority of the images of uh, you know children being rescued uh, by is coming from the Aleppo Media Center, which was uh, I believe funded by the French government, uh, and mm-hmm. this is an opposition activist uh, media group and the other one is the white helmets okay so what have you heard on the ground about because now that aleppo has been liberated um a lot of information's now coming out about the white helmets um have you heard any stories about no what they knows about them yeah they, they, asked, no one no asked, one's heard of them yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i asked any of the, i asked i asked many aleppo people have you ever heard of the white helmets or who they are no one even knows who they are they only save and they only protect and they only help their own people who are the radical uh, terrorist groups and their families. 
and you've seen, uh, and I have many pictures and videos that the tears groups. In one picture they're fighting, the other picture they have the white helmet, and they're the part of the white helmet. So they're the same people. The terrorists yeah. are the white helmets, and there's pictures. I'm not talking about. If you want, I'll send you. Uh, I will send you pictures. I'll send you uh, videos. It will show you. One on one side, a group of terrorists are fighting, uh, fighting and fully weapons. In the other picture, in the other video, they have the white helmets. Oh, and they're helping and protecting people and all of that propaganda. And then mm-hmm. I, I would like to say something. Uh, the Western media and they're really crying about Syria and uh, about the civilians. Why don't they cry about the civilians of Yemen who has been slaughtered for over one year and a half by the Saudi government? Yeah. They've been killed and uh, Air Force and uh, ma- weapon of mass destruction has been doing and uh, all kind of weapons been on the Yemeni civilians people. No one's talking about that. Because why? Because the Saudi is an ally of the American government. That's right. No one mentions that. Yep. No one mentions about all the massacres that happened in Libya. No one mentions about all the massacres that happened in Iraq. No one mentions about all of the massacres that happened and all of the murders that are happening around the world who are from sides who are backed up and allies for the U.S. government. No one, no one mentions that. But in Syria, everyone now cares and cries about Syria. Go cry about the people of Yemen. They have uh, what's happening and the number of martyrs in, uh, of Yemen is uh, uh, even, uh, and the murders happening is a huge number in the t- hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, with the full support of, uh, of e- the U.S. Uh, military, by the way, so they're even uh, do, they do all the engineering, the refueling of the Saudi jets, and in some cases, the U.S. pilots are flying Saudi jets. Um, by the way, we've seen reports of that as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. it's uh, so, to say the U.S. is not the U.S. is completely involved in Yemen, one hundred percent. You know, one hundred percent involved. Yeah, isn't that civilians uh, killing civilians? Isn't that uh, uh, killing children and women and destroying hospitals and schools? Yes, it is. So, as I told you, who funds the terrorists in Afghanistan and Pakistan? Saudi Arabia. Who funds the terrorism in Libya? Uh, Saudi Arabia. Who funds the, uh, the terrorism in Iraq? Saudi Arabia. Who's funding the terrorism in uh, in Syria? Saudi Arabia. Who, uh, as the reports came out about 9-11, the tragical... Uh, Terrorist attack 9/11 in New York at the Twin Towers. Who was funded? Saudi. Who funded them? Saudi Arabia. Who? Did, who? Uh, who? Uh, uh, the number of the of the people who did the terrorist attack. Who are they from? Which country? Saudi Arabia. So if you go really, if you want to dig, truly, who's the cause of the terrorist groups and the radicals and the Wahhabism and where's the mother of all Wahhabism? Is Saudi Arabia. So if you want to really make uh, terrorism weak and radical Islam weak. We have look. I have no problem, and no one has no problem with Islam. Okay, it's a uh, it's a religion. You have a mosque. You pray just like if you have a uh, church, and you pray. It's a normal religion. But when it becomes radical, and when you start killing in the name of God and chopping up in the name of God and uh, you uh, kill, uh, doing murders in the name of God, no, that's called radical. That's called Islam, uh, political Islam. Using uh, religion for a political reason, just like the Muslim Brotherhood, who's yes. fund, who was who was founded founded in Egypt, but today their main headquarters is in Turkey and Germany. Mm, yes, exactly, exactly. That's uh, that's the, the acceptable. 
Yeah, the acceptable face of uh, radical Islam, the Muslim Brotherhood. Yeah. And in 1980s, 1980s, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, and uh, other Gulf countries and Iraq at that time funded the Muslim Brotherhood to do the same kind of massacres, to do the same kind of murders, and to do the same kind of chaos that they are doing today in Syria. But uh, uh, that is in the 1980s, and the same problem happened. But the difference. Between 1980s and 2011, that 1980s, the media was not that strong. There was no internet. There was no Facebook. There was no YouTube. There was not that technology to Photoshop, uh, uh, do all that Photoshop. But the same what happening in Syria today, it happened in 1980s by the same people and funded by the same people. Because, as I told you, the mother of all terrorism in the world and the Middle East is Saudi Arabia. Yeah. But, but you'll be surprised if you listen to CNN uh, or Fox uh, here in the U.S. Um, they, they, they keep repeating, especially uh, on certain sides of the, of the political scene here, but that they keep repeating the, the line that Iran, Iran is the number one sponsor, state sponsor of terror uh, in the planet. And I'm, I always try to correct people that say, no, actually not. Number one is probably uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, number two is probably the United States. It is. Number, Number three is Qatar. Number four is Turkey. Uh, you know that's the list. Iran isn't even yeah. in, isn't even in the top ten. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, that's but, true. That's true. look as I told you, I don't uh, def- I don't like to defend anyone. Okay, and I'm not on anyone's side. Okay, but let's start, let's let's go by number by uh, pen and paper. Okay, who who is funding Al-Nusra Group, Saudi Arabia? Who is funding ISIS? Saudi Arabia. Who's funding the terrorist groups in Iraq? Saudi Arabia. Who's funding the, uh, the terrorist groups in Afghanistan and Pakistan? Saudi Arabia. 9-11. Did Iran have a hand uh, a deal in it? No, they did not. Saudi Arabia had a hand in it. And a big deal. So, I don't see the Iranians having their jet uh, planes and bombing any other country, but I see the Saudis bombing and uh, uh, doing destruction on the... Uh, uh, on the uh, on the Yemeni people, I did not see weapons uh, sended to the Lib- Libyan people to fight each other. But I saw the Qatari and Saudi Arabian uh, people uh, governments. I mean, uh, to send in terrorism, sending weapons to Libya to make chaos there. Yeah, where is the proof? Okay, where? Uh, oh, let's let's talk. Uh, they're uh, they're talking about sending uh, funding uh, Hezbollah. Hezbollah is a resistance group because Hezbollah. Because Hezbollah, are, uh, they, they say they're his, defending their country and who has occupied land. When the Mazar al-Shabaa is freed, Hezbollah has no job anymore. Syria yeah. has occupied land. So they have resistance. Okay, that's resistance. That is uh, the, trying to take back a, a piece of your land who is was ripped and stolen from you. Yemen did not stay, take any part of Saudi Arabia. Yes. Iraq, but, didn't, Iraq, Iraq did not take any uh, part of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but we yeah. see destruction and uh, suicide bombers and killing and murders uh, going, through Saudi, uh, going through Iraq, funded by Saudi Arabia. The same thing we're seeing it in Yemen. And say, uh, every, every, everywhere in the world, there's chaos. You see that, that uh, the Gulf countries are behind it. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 uh, and uh, well, I'll just wrap up this... Uh, 
this topic, though, just to to underline the important point that I think people should understand is that the uh, the interests of Israel and Saudi Arabia have come together very, very close uh, in recent years, yes. and uh, they are not just good allies; they are absolute partners now uh, in the Middle East, and I believe that they have very similar agendas uh, in terms of their vision uh, of, of the future, and. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not a pleasant uh, story for other people, but um, yeah. people need to understand that they are very much aligned uh, in their interests right now, uh, Israel and That's Saudi true. Arabia. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. But, um, but so, um, St- Stephen, um, you know, we're going to wrap this segment up, but, yeah. uh, you know, we, uh, we've got a link to your, uh, your Twitter as well. I'm going to try to follow you now on Twitter as well and see your updates. Uh, great article we've got up at 21st Century Wire about the, uh, um, the Western uh, Chinese province uh, death squads uh, from the Uyghur mercenaries. Um, really important stuff and the Turkey's involvement in that and, and many others. But uh, is there anything else that you want to give a shout out for, uh, Stephen, before we go? Uh, yes. Yes, there is. Yes, there is actually. Uh, I'm talking right now as an American citizen. And this message is to the new elected president, President Donald Trump, that uh, I, I really admire even when he was still a businessman and I've read all his books. I just hope that he will have a different policy to the Middle East. I wish if he, if as American, I don't want my army to be, to be in a part in any war. As American, I want my infrastructure to be rebuilt in the United States. As American, I want my economy to be strong. I don't care about, as an, I'm talking right now as an American, I don't care about uh, other countries. Let us, as Americans, to concentrate on rebuilding the inside of the American, the inside of the American society. Let us rebuild everything ab- about uh, the United States. The Middle East, let them solve their own problems. Every problem in the Middle East, America has a hand in it. We have to stop that. We have to, put, we have to make friends with Russia, not enemies with Russia. Russia is a superpower. Russia is a country with nuclear. We don't want to cause a war. If we want to cause a war with Russia, that means World War Three. We want peace. And as a Syrian, I say, may God have mercy on all the souls of every every citizen who was killed by terrorism all over the world. Okay, and I hope. Uh, that peace will be uh, uh, all over, not only in Syria, Syria and Iraq and all over the world. And as I told you, I just want the the world just to uh, take off the sanctions on Syria because uh, the sanctions are only hurting the Syrian people and the uh, innocent Syrian people. And uh, I, when this war finishes, I hope and I, I would like to see everyone to come and see and visit Syria. Yeah, to see the beauty of Syria, yes, there is still a lot of beautiful places in Syria. I hope everyone will can come see and see the beautiful uh, side of Syria and to see the beautiful part of Syria. Uh, just like uh, I'd like everyone to see the beautiful side of the United States and uh, America uh, and the American people who are the, have who are white, as they say in the Middle East, white-hearted, very nice uh, people. Uh, we need to come close to other uh, cultures in the United States, not only stay, oh, we're the number one countries. Yes, okay, we were a part of uh, part of time, we were the number one country, but uh, now actually 
we're not anymore because of the problems that uh, the past governments did in the Middle East and other that made us lose that. I hope we can come close and make friends with everyone. Have no have no more enemies because uh, it's a sin uh, to God to kill anyone. And I hope uh, and I wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And as I told you, I wish uh, peace will go around all the world, all around the world. Well, thank you very much, uh, Stephen. Uh, I very much appreciate that. And uh, we will be looking out for your work. We'll be in touch with you as well. Uh, Try to get more of your reports up, uh, 21st Century Wire, uh, if we can. And we look forward to that. Uh, Stephen Sahuni, uh, live uh, from, say again. Sahyuni. Sahyuni. Stephen Sahyuni. Yeah. I get it. I'll get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. And take care. You're and uh, and uh, we, look for, we look forward to uh, checking with you again, uh, hopefully, uh, in the very near future. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Stephen Sahyuni. Uh, in uh, live from Beirut, we'll be, we're going to take a short commercial break. Um, we'll be back after the break uh, to pick up that thread uh, which we left off in the first half hour uh, with regards to the uh, Russian hack of the U.S. elections. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is the Sunday Wire. Stay right there. Well, you're Captain Buck Rogers, and according to your ship's log, you left Earth in 1987. That much I know. Tell me what I don't know. Well, if preliminary data holds up, it appears you have returned to Earth 504 years later. You are now in the 25th century. Buck, are you all right, Buck? Did you hear me? Buck? I think I will have that right now. It's time. Since 2009, 21st Century Wire has been a trusted source of alternative news with opinion, analysis, investigative reports, and features covering stories from North America to Europe to the Middle East and globally. In the last two years, we've grown dramatically. This year, we're expanding our programming and our reporting and adding to our team of dedicated contributors. But we need your help. There is a way you can support us. Go to 21wire.tv and click on 21wire membership to find out more about how you can help support our platform by subscribing and becoming a member. In return, we promise to keep it independent and keep it real. But that's not all. By subscribing to 21wire.tv, members will get access to more premium content like virtual private screenings of new documentaries and short films and get inside access to members' podcasts like On the QT with Patrick Henningsen. And also, you can see our new morning commute show, Drive by Wire with Sean Helton, as well as our new geopolitical current affairs series, Insight, shot in high definition. By becoming a member, you're also helping to support the Sunday Wire radio show, as well as all our great reporting at 21stCenturyWire.com. There's more. 
Members will also gain access to our fortnightly Members Situation Report newsletter, as well as special discounts on all 21 Wire merchandise up at our online store, Shop 21. Subscribe and become a member at 21wire.tv.